You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Episode 366 of the New Utah Podcast. Coming at you. The last week of May, 2023. Down to the end. God, it is flying. The, the year this year ah. is flying. COVID, COVID's gone. It's officially over as of the 11th. Two now we just have to worry about the bird flu. We two, didn't, we didn't even talk about that, about uh, the public health emergency ending. Two more weeks. The year's half over. It's fucking crazy, man. Uh, the solstice is June 21st. Uh, I think this is summer yeah. solstice. Yep. That's a holiday we're celebrating. Just just got a, a message that sixteen thousand people have been evacuated in Nova Scotia because of the fires. I know that's not Utah, but it's major enough that the smoke is pouring into Utah. Yeah, Nova Scotia, Alberta, and British Columbia—all three of them have massive, massive. They're fires. on fire, uh, which is really not common for Canada. Canadian, um, well, because they're on the coast, they're usually a fairly well, cooler. It's because that that the whole all of Canada, like eighty percent of Canada's population, lives along the border of the U.S. And that's because it's cold and desolate, and there's it, there's not necessarily a ton of moisture. Like there are rainforests. Like British Columbia is part of the rainforest. Oh, but and like if you really look at the map, it's like all broken up land. It's not like big. It's not like a big solid mass. It's, it's like, a bunch of bunch of uh, uh, permafrost. Yeah. So it's one of those countries that's massive, but only really truly has a very, very, very small percentage living. Well, and Nova Scotia doesn't really affect us because that's over in the. Yeah, no, that's true. That's over like northeast. Other well, side. it's southeast, I guess, for Canada. It's over by Maine and stuff. It's but like, yeah, the fires like, in Canada have. But are, the, the Alberta and the British Columbia fires are so bad that the air here in Utah is being affected. Yeah. Well, and in, in fact, so we're going to talk about it, but, uh, um, you know, it's Utah Adventure Week. It's the last week of, of May, and we went on an adventure um, that we've talked about in depth before on the show, um, but we were affected very much so by that smoke. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, I think, Um I'm going to write the note down because I actually <laughs> kind of forgot about it, but then I remember that, yeah. that lady on the the bus with us too. So the lady on the bus. Uh, no, Julia, this week uh, because Pride Festival Pride. and she's um, uh, they're putting in like busy. twelve plus hour days. She's not getting home till midnight. That's uh, that's what you do when you own a business and you're going to one of the bigger festivals. Well, and and you're a vendor. Yeah, and nearly well. This Not is yet. a huge event. I would her. say half of what they do is handmade. The other half is crystals and things that, that she's bought. But their jars and their jewelry and their all kinds of stuff. And they've she's taken on three or four new consignment vendors. One's actually kind of cool. He gets lizards and snakes that are dead and puts them in the jars and does all the kind of cool stuff with them. Anyway, so she, but she's working through all of that. So we, we might see her again in a week or two after Pride's done. We'll see. <laughs> I'm excited for her. I know it's a yeah. really big event for her. She well, did really well last year. Last year, it was her biggest single moneymaker for the year, and she wasn't as prepared. I mean, she was, but she didn't know what to expect. So this year, she's a whole lot more prepared. Yeah, and she's really prepared with the The thing about those shows is, like, it's okay to have a few really big, like, feature pieces that are expensive, but you got to have small, a lot of smaller stuff that people can walk away with for less than 10 bucks. What they found last year... And it was something that they threw together at the show is mystery boxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So like five, ten, fifteen, and twenty dollar mystery boxes. And each one of those boxes has something in it of that particular value, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. But then other kind of random oddball stuff from stickers to jewelry. Anyway. And she's got that like egg machine yeah. thing. So that's her big thing that the, the claw of destiny or something like that is what they're calling yeah. it. Uh, something like that. It's uh, a cheap little crane machine. And then it, it, you pick it out and some of them actually have things in it. Some of them it's just written on it. You can pick X, Y, and Z. So from, it's like a grab bag as well. It's a grab it's... bag. But uh, they're at the Yart sell this last weekend that we've been talking I about. I saw pictures of the... Uh, yeah. And she said they made more money off that 
silly little machine. People like doing that <laughs> shit. They like having some like there's a reason casinos are incredibly popular and incredibly well designed for money making money. People like chance. Right. Well, and every kid that walks by that sees that thing. I mean, if you've been to like you've been to like Comic-Con oh, and yeah. like Half the vendors are like mystery box vendors, and they sell a bunch of boxes of a bunch of garbage inside right. of them. Are those spin the wheel things? Yeah, yeah. people love so that shit. On one on one way, it's it's her chance for it's the end of the season. I'll say for her, what didn't sell goes into the mystery boxes. The stuff that yep. was like eh, hit and miss. So I mean, you'll get good stuff out of it, but but she's last year. They weren't. They were selling some kind of stuff, but they noticed a vendor somewhere around them that had these mystery boxes. So they're like, "Well, let's put together some mystery boxes." They made sub. They made like ten while they were sitting there and threw them out, and they sold in like five minutes. So they made a bunch more, and they were as fast as they could put them together. Yeah, I, and then she stocks them in her store now too. Yeah, and they sell on her at her yeah. store. Yeah, and then this this time she's, she's got them for different subjects. Like, so she has the PTSD dog. I don't. I guess that's a thing. I don't, I don't know. I'm old. I don't know. Anyway, so the PTSD dog, dog on one of them, and that's a grab bag, and she's got, like, the menstrual something or the other. And so, anyway, she's got all kinds of themes this year, so it's not just grab bag. But anyway, I know they've been working. She she was over yesterday for Memorial Day. We had a barbecue last night, but she left probably around 7 and went back up to the shop. And I don't, yeah. So... <laughs> so She'll be uh, pretty wiped out after this weekend, um, you know, first weekend in June. Pride Festival is enormous in Salt Lake. But go visit her so, and then yeah. and, and say hi. You heard about her on the Go buy a mystery box or something. Yeah. Or on her own stuff. But, yeah, tell her tell her you heard about it on the, the podcast. She'll be excited to hear that, and then I'm sure she'll let us know. She'll give you a discount, too. Oh, I'm positive she I will. She, 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 like, she, said, she said it on the show, but you yeah. have to mention that you heard, her, heard about her on the show. And so. she'll do like a 5 or a 10% discount. So, yeah. anyway. If you ask her for the Chris discount, she's just going to give you a pink dildo. So, <laughs> which I mean, maybe if you're at Pride, that's what you want. So well, she has those um, crystal one, the crystal penises. Yeah, I know. We've given some to our kids. Yeah, they're so. Yeah, maybe she'll give you a free crystal penis if you tell her that. Usually, when she gets those, they probably not. They sell out. Those sell, sell out quick, so yeah. fast, anyway. especially at Pride. Yeah. And then the, the little naked busts. The little She'll dude. give you one of our business cards. She will give you a business card. And maybe a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, Pride is this weekend, in case you yeah. haven't. Uh, and apparently a tattoo convention in Ogden. Oh, yeah. It's their second annual one. We talked about it last year. It's bad timing, man. Yeah, they probably should have double-checked on that one. But um, we talked about it last year, and then a, a number of our tattoo artists that we've had on over the years are part of it. So that's kind of oh, that's why. good. I wanted to throw that out there. That's the second, third, and fourth at Ogden Union Station. So I guess you could do both: spend a, a day there, spend a day at Pride. But I, the tattoo convention thing's weird to me. Like people that get tattoos at those are. That's Have you seen weird. the pictures? I'm not. Like it's so weird. It's like it, it looks like it looks like a a, a war zone medical ward because yeah. there's like thousands of people and and thirty or forty of them are laying down. I mean, they're getting tattoos, but just the way it looks, it's like ah, I I just I I've never thought of. Going to a convention to get a tattoo. Obviously, I would it's a not thing. do it. I would not do it. But I won't get a regular tattoo, so you know. So, I don't know. I just I think that's weird. Obviously, it's a thing. Obviously, they make good money, but I would just find that strange getting a tattoo in front of three hundred of my closest friends. Uh, I finished my yard work. Well, it's never really done. I got all the weeds out of my backyard, and it looks barren as shit. But it looks a million times better. But no than, weeds. Yeah. Well, they'll come back. Has the clover taken off at all? Uh, I have, no, it didn't take it all in the front yard. It doesn't seem. Huh. Um, in the backyard, that was step one. Step two is when we get back from this trip, I'm going to. It's going to be till. an all all summer project. I'm going to till up the whole backyard, and I'm going to Just start fresh. Yep, I'm going to till it up in sections. I'm going to uh, plant clover, rake back over it because clover is really shallow to start, uh, and. I will probably try to till the whole yard in a day. Well, and then it if you're going to fix sprinklers, long. now's the time. Yeah. Dig it all up. You can always rent a trencher. I'm considering just paying someone or to come do it. It's a lot of work. Have them do it now uh, while you're in the process of doing all this. Yeah. That that way you, it's not next spring and you're trying to get grass to grow and then you got to dig it all up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, the wife recommended as well. 
I really want to do it myself, but man, it seems like a daunting task to redo. Because it's not just like tying back. I think I have to redo the whole system. Like the solenoids are messed up. However, there's if they can just bypass it and start fresh a whole lot faster. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I mean, they're going to probably put stuff back in the same spots. And so, but they'll just retrench and just put a new system in and... I don't even give a shit if they leave the old one in. I, I know. Care. So when they they screwed up mine with the driveway and they created the new space, they just left the old stuff. They, they just, just capped it and left it there. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. C- came off. My solenoids were fine on that, but they came off of it a foot or two, cut it, spliced in the new, mm-hmm. and all the old stuff's just in there still under the old driveway. I, there's no, no point. It doesn't matter as long Useless. as it doesn't create a sinkhole. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's all Speaking of off, sinkholes, so. did you see the American Fork Golf Course has a giant sinkhole in it? I did see that. And then the Mount Nebo Loop caved yeah, in that's, <laughs> yeah. from the runoff. The Epopayson. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. That was wild. The golf course, though, I think the golf course was actually water pipes underneath the ground. I don't know how it could have been a stream where no. that, that golf course is. That's, of course, when I saw that, it reminded me of, Gra- of oh, not Groundhog Day, of uh, Caddyshack. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with the Gophers. <laughs> That's pretty spot on. So, but because of the amount of work that my yard is this year, unlike your lush vegetation, <laughs> uh, I'm not doing a garden. I've nixed that idea. I'm going to pull weeds again. I will, I might even just lay cardboard down with some rocks on it has been the wife's suggestion. Um, and just bury the, the, bury the garden for the year. Yeah. The cardboard will go yeah. away eventually. So, well, and even it, the cardboard could even stay and you just put dirt over it and pl- yeah. plant new. It wouldn't have to go away, but yeah. It'll decompose in a that year. That or plastic anyway. or like the... the yeah, plastic doesn't decompose. The um, landscape fabric would be another idea. Oh, that that is an idea to put some landscape fabric down because that stuff comes up real easy. Or what year. you do with the landscape fabric is then when you're ready next year, you just dig holes where you put your mounds. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's ways, but then you're not having to weed it and fight it all summer. Yeah, I definitely don't want to do that. So I will definitely put some landscape fabric down. We have hit the uh, the limit of our fabric, though, under the rocks in the park strip. I was pulling some foxtails oh, this last weekend, up. and it's starting to pull up chunks of fabric now. Oh, it's been doing that for a while. Yeah, but it's pulling up big chunks <laughs> So I, You're just not usually the one that we can talk about it off air, but I still have a bunch left over from my park strip. You're welcome to. And it's the, it is the, like, the super stuff, heavy. Yeah. It's not the cheapy. It's the... Yeah, well, we got the good stuff, but I mean, that park strip, we've had rocks in it since before. Well, because Stan helped us put them in, and Stan's been dead for years. Well, we put it in when Cassie started driving, and she's 25, so it's like 10 years old. Yeah, it's really old. So, And it lasted a long oh, time yeah. before it really started to give in. But So as far as garden goes, uh, tomatoes are the only thing I have left. I've got everything else Oh, planted. that's awesome. That's awesome. So I got mine. So even though, yes, I, I, I know looking at my lawn, it, it does, it is... Lush and green. I see all the dead spots and the damaged spots. And but, I, dude, <laughs> I don't want to. That is literally the best your yard has looked since I've known you. I, I think it's just the longer winter and all the rain we've had. Yeah, well, talk about it. Like I'm not used to Utah having nightly thunderstorms in the summer. It's been awesome. It's been great. Like all it. all of the last couple of weeks, it's been like a thunderstorm a night. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I love it. And it's not like freezing cold rain either. It's warm rain. So Yeah, it's not so yeah, we still have the window open, enjoying the breeze. It's been it. awesome. It's been yeah, it's been great stuff. I am a big fan. Uh and I guess you, someone put cherries around oh, I did. season. I did, because yeah. I was at Harmon's over the weekend getting some stuff. We just had a little barbecue with the kids and stuff, but they had cherries. I'm like, oh, so I got some of them, and they were amazing. And then I've also started noticing all the posts. So uh, the Green Urban Lunchbox is doing their cherry program where they'll come out, and I don't know how, I don't know exactly what it is they spray. I know it's organic. I know it's something, but with the cherries that, that if you, so... Cherries are really susceptible to bugs. They are. Um, and uh, we've had green urban lunchbox on a long time ago. But what they do is uh, people who have trees that they, they don't want to take care of, they don't want anything to do with, they'll come out, they'll take care of them, and they'll harvest them. Yeah. So I, I saw a post today where the cherries are, are basically in season. So if you have cherry trees and you don't want anything to do with them, get a hold of green urban lunchbox because they'll come – They'll spray it with whatever it is they spray. They'll harvest it and so you they'll don't harvest have rotting it. cherries on your ground yeah. forever. Yeah. 
I know, I, you've got the one neighbor who's got the fruit the trees. The one down at the, well, there's the one at the very end of the street that actually has some old, like, weird-looking cherry trees that still produce cherries. Like, we rolled up on, we were walking to Walgreens uh, one day, uh, last summer, I think, and there were some people, like, pulled over in, in a car just pulling the cherries off because it's just in the park strip. They don't, they don't care. Yeah. And then the next-door neighbor has apple trees in the park strip that they don't take care of, and they just hang down onto the ground. And the apples get so big on that tree. It's really fruiting. Like, it's a very fruitful tree. So, Yeah, so Green Number Lunchbox, if you have or know of someone who has fruit trees. Yeah, I was going to say any trees, not just cherry, not just cherry, but any fruit trees. Any fruit trees, trees, they'll come out, they'll take care of it, prune it, do all of that, and then harvest it. And then that goes to different people in need, different things. I know uh, at the end of the season, they team up with... Uh, the cider mountain west cider mountain west cider and they usually do a, like a some sort of special cider specialty cider yeah. so anyway i put the cherries on there because they're in season they are i've noticed them uh, the farmer's market opened this last weekend i believe uh and so now it'll be open you know all summer cherries only stick around last year was crazy they were around for a long time I don't know if they'll be around that long this summer. Usually we only get about three to four weeks maybe yeah. of cherries. So usually starts the very end of May, goes till really like mid to late June. It depends on when it gets too hot. Because once it gets right. a certain temperature, the cherries are all. I think once we, once we hit a consistent 90s, they're done. So where it has been a, a, a nice cooler spring, um, there's a chance we could have cherries, but that I, I got some and man, they are so good. They're just like, they're perfect right now. So cherries for all those people who like cherries. It's that time. All right. So it is the last week of the month. Um, and that is our Utah adventure week. And we, uh, because finally it's back open, COVID's over. Um, the collapse has been fixed sort of. And, uh, we decided <laughs> to go up to the copper mine, uh, to do our adventure. Um, it was what, like six bucks a person for yeah. the tour? Yeah. Yeah. Totally um, worth it. So really cheap. Um, basically you're just, pay- just paying money so they can pay for the fuel and equipment and, and the people to do the tours. So bef- um, before the collapse and COVID. Yeah. Uh, so you used to drive yourself up there. Yeah. But I think after the collapse, uh, they decided nah, that's not happening. It's too big of a liability. Yeah. So now, uh, they have, it's like every half an hour, they've got a scheduled bus. So you buy your ticket. Um, and then sign up for a time. And it's not so much signing up for a time. It's just so they kind of know how many people. But they take you on the bus up to the visitor center. Yep. So the, there's a little gift shop that you buy the little tokens, the, plat, the poker chips, whatever they are. Um, and they have gifts and stuff in there, obviously, copper-themed th- stuff. Uh, but you, Not just copper. No, but uh, mostly copper. Um, but you go up, and so they take you up. Way up the mountain. <laughs> Way up the mountain. <laughs> and they point some stuff out. Like you can see haulers dumping, uh, loads on the side of the mountain to all the, all the unused stuff, um, dumping that back out. And they point out like the, the, uh, like this, not a smelting facility. What is it called? Uh, the crusher? Mm-hmm. No. Well, they do point out the crusher, but yeah, the that's big... like at the top, but the, the actual facility where they, uh, extract the extractors. Oh, extractor. Um, so. They point all that stuff out. You might get lucky and get stopped by some of the trucks at a crossing, uh, in which case you're going to wait like a railroad crossing because those trucks will fuck up anything. Um, <laughs> yep, they have the right of way. They are very big. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, but then you get to the top. The visitor center up top is not open yet. I don't know if they're going to reopen the building or I not. Know. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't because um, it is mobile, but they moved it. Um, they moved it before the collapse last time too. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't know why it wasn't open, but when you get up top, you're basically on the edge of the mine looking in of the pit itself. Um, now that the mining facilities stretch oh, really yeah. far, they stretch all the way down to Magna from, from basically Harriman. Yeah. Which is the whole length of the Salt Lake Valley, basically. Um, so it's really massive and you get to see down under this pit that's like a mile deep, um, you can see all the way across it, uh, which is a few miles across. Um, and you get to see, like, you get to stand next. They've got a tire on display. They've got a bed. They've got the, um, the shovels mm-hmm. that you can stand in and, and see how big these things really are up close, up close and personal. 
It covers 1,900 acres. Yeah, it's huge. Two Empire State Buildings stacked on top of each other would not reach the top of the mine. Yeah, it's wild. And it's wide enough to have 12 aircraft carriers the size of the USS Enterprise placed (laughs) end-to-end and still have room. So we're not going to talk a ton about history. Jeremy's going to probably give some facts and and some brief stuff. Yeah, mostly facts, because we did a deep dive. uh, Episode 262, uh, if you want a deep dive on the history of the copper mine and its impact on Utah, 262 is the episode to go listen to. It was about a year and a half ago, um, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was the end of 21 that we did it. Um, But we, we wanted to go there because we... You know, Jeremy hadn't been there in years and years and years, and um, I just think it's cool. Have you, you had you ever been there, Chris? Uh, uh, no, I'd never been up into the mine. I've been into lots of mines. I've never been to that to one, this no. particular. So yeah, so I'm I'm not going to get into much in the way of history because we've done that, but I do have kind of some facts and some interesting things to to point out. Um, so let, let's get into that. So. The Bingham Mine accounts for about 18% of the United States copper production. That is about 300 tons of copper a year. That's a lot of copper. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's currently owned by the by Rio Tinto Kennecott, which is, is a subsidiary of the British Australian mining company Rio Tinto. Um, they also own other mines throughout the Rio world. Rio Tinto owns a ton of yeah. shit. They own a lot of stuff in Australia. In fact, there's a, a place where you walk. It's not laid out like a map, like an actual map. There's just, you find these little, I don't know, tokens that they've embedded into the cement. And when we asked what they were, it was basically a map and said, well, if you're standing there, you're essentially standing in Australia. And those are all the mines there. Yeah. So the uh, kind of to go along with your mine facts as far as size, uh, the square footage is actually larger than New York City or Washington, D.C. Yeah, it's so big. That's how big that mine is. It's so big. And Rio, <laughs> Rio Tinto operates in Australia, Canada, Iceland, Madagascar, Mongolia, New Zealand, South Africa, the United States. So during its time, which it opened uh, early 1900s, it has produced more than 19 million tons of copper which is more than any other mine ever produced in the history of mining. And not even close, not even close to being dried up. Like no. this thing is like there was one spot that they 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 put up a placard talking about they decided recently, it was in the timeline, but they decided to dig 1000 feet back on the south wall and 700 more feet down, I think. So that was about 2017 they're still not even that far in. They're not a thousand feet in yet, and, and they've and that was supposed to take them to like twenty thirty two, yeah. something like that, just by going back another thousand feet, which is insane. And it's just like, I mean, you can see it. Like you can see the rocks that are just like tumbled off to the side where the visitor center stuff is. <laughs> there is so much copper in that mountain. You can see it looking at like even the like old like travelways that they have yeah. on the side of it. Just the green. It's just green stain. from the oxidation yeah. of the copper. It takes a ton of ore to produce 13 pounds of copper. So by 1910, 14 years after operation, Kennecott had mined $290 million worth of copper in 1910. That's insane. <laughs> Which who even knows what that is now, but yeah. Uh, just the year 2004... They pulled uh, twelve billion dollars worth of copper. So two hundred and ninety million dollars in twenty in nineteen ten. I'm going to look at the inflation calculator. Hold yeah, on. see what that is. I'll I'll keep going. Um, so th- their annual production is on average three three hundred tons of copper. Nine point two trillion dollars. That's what they pulled out in the first fourteen years. Accounting for inflation. That is insane. Are you sure that's not in, like, today dollars? Says, After 14 years of operation, Kennecott has had mined $290 million worth of copper. I, maybe that is in current. Maybe it's a combo. That's just, yeah, that's just what it says. I don't know if that's equivalent or if that's saying in today's value. So I want to give you guys an understanding of 
the vastness of 9.2 trillion. Cause <laughs> I think that's a hard number for people to grasp. <laughs> like that's not quite the size of the American debt, but if you were to take, I'm going to try and do this as accurately as possible. Um, Oh my God, that's insane. Okay. So, um, I do. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Hold on. Yeah. Except for we can't hold on because this is a show about talking. So if we hold on, it's just silence. Okay. So a million in, in terms of years, a million is like a third of a year, right? So like three a million months. what? A million seconds. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Not, not a third point three. So a million seconds is, um, in, in days is like 12 days, right? But when we're talking, how much did I say? Nine trillion, trillion. 9.2 trillion. That's so insane. <laughs> I'm just going to pull up here what that is in. You keep pausing seconds. and not actually telling I'm, us. Well, anything. because I have to type it in. Fuck that's off. Jeez. Um, 9.2. Oh, that's only a billion. Hold on. I did you just tell me to fuck off? I, <laughs> I shouldn't say that to my wife. <laughs> so 9.2 trillion. If that were seconds, that equates to, this is even hard to grasp, like Just say two, it. 291,000 years compared <laughs> to 12 days. That's insane. That's so much money. The funny thing is, is um, when the Bingham brothers found it, Brigham Young told him not to mine it because um, the building up the the pioneers and and the, the the city was was of more value and more important so the actual bingham brothers who discovered it yep. didn't mine it themselves however if they would have they would have think about how much money the church would have had now <laughs> uh anyway okay so in 2004 just to give you some numbers uh 12 billion dollars of copper Eight hundred million dollars of gold and silver. Oh no, eight hundred million dollars of gold, seventy million dollars of silver. So that I mean, they're pulling. I mean, copper's. So copper's not the only thing. So like, um, they pull out copper, silver, gold, magnesium. That zinc. weird metal. Which Ma- weird metal? Molybdenum. Yeah. Molybdenum. Ma- yeah. That one that we talked about last time, and I had to look up how to say it. The one that they were talking about on the bus and they were trying to pronounce. So, so in tonnage, that's 300 tons of copper, a hundred tons of that molybdenum, 15 tons of gold and silver, 15 tons of gold and silver a year. Tellurium. They they pull tellurium out of there as well. Yeah. So the, the, the molybdenum. Bedium? I don't know. I'm not saying that right. It's a byproduct, and it's one that they didn't even think all that much about. But in going through this, like in like in 2012, 2013, the price of it skyrocketed, uh, and so they actually made more off of it uh, in a couple of years span than they did off of copper because it it went through a, a strange phase where the, the the value of it skyrocketed. What's it used for? Um, well, your body uses it to process proteins for genetic material. Uh, and then also it breaks down drugs and toxic substances in your body, apparently. So possibly using medications? Maybe. Um, um, currently there's about 2,500 employees and they work 24-7. That place never closes, 365 days a year. and are tw- Only for weather. Oh, so it doesn't, it's not occurring naturally as a free metal. It's only found in various oxidation states and other minerals. So I know it's during the process when they're breaking it down. It's like a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it basically says here. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious what it's used for. They were saying that the big dump trucks, um, what is it, about 1,400 gallons, something like that, of gas for the big dump trucks, and they can run about a 12 to 14-hour shift and then they have to refill it. Oh, so it's used for high-strength steel alloys. Oh, okay. So mixture. So that explains it. It's used to make really high-strength steel alloys. Well, that makes sense because um, mid-2000s, 2012, 2015, 2016, there was a metal shortage because China was using so much metal yeah, yeah. that there was a shortage kind of worldwide. So that makes sense that those couple of years that the, the value of that skyrocketed and yeah, they were able to make more off that than they did off their copper, like 
mm-hmm. for, for like those two years. Um, so some of the things that they, that they do for their employees is they spend over 15 million in healthcare every year for their employees. Uh, they have recreation centers. They, they help provide affordable housing and education. So I know we were kind of talking about this at the tour. Growing up in, uh, West Valley, when I was like in high school, a lot of my friends' parents worked at the mine. Yeah. In one way or another, at the mine, at the smelter, at the whatever, in Magna, at the pit. Uh, and then after I graduated, there's quite a few of my friends that that's what they did is they went to work. Just went on to work for the mine. For the mine, like their, like their parents had. When you're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's almost always a job to be found. So they em- employ a lot of people. Apparently, Hannah wants to drive a pink one. Yeah, so so we did notice for for some reason the the top of the bed, the part that goes over the cab, had different colors on it. Obviously, it means something, but there was the blue. I don't think it actually. I think means it's anything. just funny. I think it's just how they paint the trucks. I don't think it actually means anything. There's pink ones and purple ones but and yeah, green ones and one. yellow ones. So uh, on the flip side. Which we we want to keep this positive as possible, but we got to talk about the environment environmental impact from that uh, mine has actually been horrible for Utah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for us all, all the good that it's been, it's it's had some serious issues. Yeah, oh, over over a thousand between 1965 and 1985, over a thousand cases of cancer caused by exposure to the toxins that. Uh, people died from that we know of that are direct basically (laughs) there's probably more than that um dust emitted from the canyon which is part of why we see the water trucks all over keeping the dust down but uh, it contains 0.56 percent of lead which is a significant amount to have in the air um i not in this particular one but another one that i was reading in the early days of the mine the farmers in magna and the local area sued the copper mine because they were just dumping everything yeah. and it was wiping out well because back then there were no regulations yeah. i mean it wasn't until like the 50s and 60s there was any kind of regulation yeah. which is why so kennecott bear we talked about this on two in 262 they buried a town yeah they dumped over the side of the mountain and eventually just buried the town that started because yep. of the mine uh, and they relocate, relocated everyone, uh, but they just buried it as yeah. is. So there's a there's a whole ass town underneath. So in thousands of years, people are going to come excavate and, find, and they're going to be like, how did this community get here? The original copper. T- and they're going to be like, it was Pompeii. But so what happened is <laughs> they're not going to be like it was Pompeii. <laughs> there's not people frozen in ash they're, like in action. They're dumping, dumping like they had been after 30 to 40 years of dumping. It had gotten to the town. Like it was yeah, it on the got, edge of yeah. town. And so they got together and they decided, do we find another place to dump? Do we reroute the mine or do we just bury the town? And they decided it was way more cost effective to just bury the to town. To move everyone and bury the town. So they moved everyone, rebuilt the schools, homes, churches. And they do everything. tout a lot of their restoration stuff because it's something that I think Kennecott is spending. I don't think it's just lip service for them. Daybreak is specifically a planned yeah. community by Rio Tinto and Kennecott to try and recover some of the... Pro- now, there's still problems. So, for example, I would not go swim in Ochre Lake. That's a no. fucking horrible idea. I don't care who you are. Don't go take your kids down there to play around in Ochre Lake. That is stupid. There are parts of Daybreak that when you buy a house there, you have to sign an agreement that says you will not grow anything in the ground. And in fact, they've been sued multiple times because people can't even get grass to grow. And the reason for that is those are old tailings ponds. Right. Well, and there's a lot of the homes that don't have basements. You can't. The, 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 <laughs> it is not safe. That ground is super toxic because of all the tailings ponds. When you do chemical extractions, there's a lot of garbage left over. In fact, so when we were on the bus going up. Someone pointed out the tailings ponds, and they're like, I think it's like a water treatment center. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a tailings pond. It's where they put all of the wastewater from the extraction process and let the water evaporate yep. and leave whatever's left in the 
in the basin of that pond. Right. And they're supposed to, it's supposed to be, I don't know, concrete lined and rubber lined. And I'm sure now it's a lot better. But, but back then it wasn't. Probably up until the 80s. Yeah, like that stuff was, none of that shit happened. And so. Like a dirt hole and, yeah. So it's definitely better now. But they also do a lot of conservation stuff. Like there's signs all over the place. So the side of the mountain now, you know, when they get to certain points and they're not dumping down that area anymore, they come back across and plant seed yeah. and water and try to get soil to grow, like actual like vegetation, because if you don't have vegetation, it's just just going to be a landslide. Right. Vegetation is what holds the dirt in place. Well, then the dust is just going to yeah. get airborne and then just more problems. But that being said, I mean, the side of the mountain, if you look at it from anywhere in the valley. Oh, it's just a huge, ugly scar. It's just a dirt pile. It's like the point of each other, like valley entrance. So point of the mountain up north in Bountiful, where there's those open gravel pits. They look the same. Mm-hmm. Kennecott's just a lot bigger. A whole lot bigger. So there are over 200 million tons of rock every year that goes through the system and it's nothing more than just rock uh, that they have to dispose of. That is enough to fill 300 football fields four miles high. Yeah, it's insane. How That's much. how much just... It's just dirt, rock, basically. Just, after it went through the crusher, the sifter, and they weren't able to pull they, anything yeah, from they it. They can't pull any of the minerals from it. It goes back into the back of a truck and, and then dumped. gets dumped right back up uh, off the side of the mountain. So they've had uh, some horrible impacts on wildlife, um, grazing animals when they first started it. I mean, still is an issue. Uh, there was a time in the mid-80s where they were severely fined for discharging pollutants into Little Cottonwood Creek. I mean, the list goes on and on. Well, and that is one thing. There weren't any animals up there. There were no birds. Yeah. Science Which is a little weird. Could be like you think about it. You're at the top of a mountain, and there's no birds or animals. But the only vegetation there is man-made. Well, obviously it's grown, but well, it's all planted. There's no vegetation up at the top. Oh no, at the top. I mean, so really, I mean, it it is an inside-out mountain. So you get up to the top, and you're looking at what used to be mm-hmm. a mountain, and it's really it's really cool if you if you ever get bored, go online and look at pictures before and after. Look at pictures from the early 1900s and look at pictures now, and you'll see the whole entire mountain is just inside out. Yeah, it's really wild. And in fact, this style of open pit uh, mining is illegal. I mean, there are mines still in There's production. There are still open pit mines out there. Out there, but you, you, just, you can't start a new no, open pit mine like this. They're not. Absolutely. They're, not they're just so brutally destructive. To everything. The, yeah. The wildlife, nature, I mean, water, just everything. It just, it's bad news. So that, that's a little bit, like I said, I didn't want to get too much into the history. I know, Bree, did you have a few things that you wanted to bring up from your, um, research? There's just a bunch of, of little facts on here. Um, it says the ed, the large cone shaped mountain east of the mine by Lark, by the Lark mine entrance is the thousand foot keystone waste dumper overburden disposal site. So that whole thing is nothing but the, probably the those, dump site. Yeah. Probably those rocks that they just, uh, yeah, that's just they haul it up there and then dump it off the side of the mountain and just keep making the mountain bigger on the outside. If one stretched out all of the roads in the open pit mine, there would be 500 miles of roadway enough to stretch from Salt Lake City to Denver. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, when now when was the slide? Was that 2017, 2016. I think this goes right like around history, there. Not that um, much. So that slide, while you're looking up the date, was is the biggest natural 2013. Oh, 2013. Man, I'm old. It was the biggest nat, well, the biggest landslide in United States history for the quantity of dirt that moved. Um, they saw it coming, which is one of the things that we saw up there that is they have some very intricate. They have really crazy high tech radar and motion detection. Watch for like the, the minute. Movement of yeah. rocks. So anything changes and doesn't it scans like every two minutes? So- uh, yeah. So and it it like the the how precise those cameras are detect basically a small rock falling all the way across the mine. Yeah. Um. From this one location where the visitor center is at now, they knew that yeah. there was movement and something was going to happen. 
So they had actually moved the visitor center ahead of that. Just a couple of days before, actually. Um, because they knew it was going to happen. They didn't know exactly where. And um, they didn't have any idea of the magnitude. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was big. If you go look up the Kennecott, just look up Kennecott slide pictures and you'll see it. It was, you know, it, it was like 165 million tons of soil, they think. Basically, the northeast wall that's right next to the visitor center collapsed. And so, you know, if you look at the mine, well, it's, it's in slid. Yeah, it's in steps, right? And the steps are actually being dug out by the big diggers. And also, they get, used as, they get used as roads yeah. while it's happening. And then as they move down into the pit, the road gets thinner because they dig over top of it, basically. So, um, it buried everything and really just halted production for a while because it buried the roads to get up to the top of the pit. It, and it buried trucks that they can't get out. Yeah. They're, well, they, they they're said, still buried. They said it just, it doesn't financially makes no Any sense, sense to unbury them to try to even get those trucks out because of how far under they are. Uh, and, and yeah, where the visitor center was is gone. Yeah. So they moved it, but it also wiped out the road to get to the visitor center and a number of the key roads, like you were saying, yeah. like to the crusher and to some of that kind of stuff. So there was a short period of time where they were almost at a complete standstill. Yeah, they had to dig them because they had to, to re-excavate. And they couldn't go roads. back in and excavate it until they had engineers say it was okay. Yeah, every, uh, like, yeah. And that's a big deal. Like that equipment sat and that, that, that cost kind of cut a lot of money. And I'm sure a few people lost their jobs over that. Probably. But um, I mean, on a, on a positive note, it did what it was supposed to do and it caved inward, not mm-hmm. outward. Cause if that sucker would have gone outward, it could have buried part of Harriman City. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, it, once you're up there, you realize like the chances of that going outward is pretty non-existent because the, the, the inside part of the mountain is quite a ways away from yeah. the outside and part. And it's cone shaped. Yeah. So it is supposed Inverted. to come down. So that's what it's made to do is if there's a slide or a cave in, it falls in on itself, not but you, out. You can still see it plain as day because oh, yeah. they didn't fix all of it. There was no sense in fixing the upper portions of it. So they just kind of left it. They well, secured the, it, obviously. The but. section that expanding is on the opposite end. Correct. So it just, yeah, they've just kind of let that they've go. Made their, they've rebuilt the roads and secured what they needed to. But that radar stuff's really cool. How, so like, cool. Being able to detect, like, rocks falling from the far side. And it's a mile away, basically. Like Yeah. And the machine, it, it's like they have a seismic machine that is obviously 24-7, just like any seismic. And it can read seismic activity anywhere within the mine. But then the... They have a camera system, basically. The scanning radars, it was like every two minutes or something like that. It scans. And it, and what were the pixels? Like 14 million? It was millions and millions of pixels. pixels. So like, yeah, a, a piece of gravel shifts a mile away. They know it. And what they're doing is they're watching. And obviously, a certain amount of shifting is just normal, and that's going to happen. But if they start to see patterns of shifting, they can direct. Or shifting where it's not expected. Yeah. Yeah. They they can see what's going on. They did actually do some uh, blasting. Yeah, so that was really cool. It was, it was a little anticlimactic, but still cool. But I mean, again, we were a mile away, yeah. and someone was like, "Oh, you're not even going to hear it. You could hear it. You could hear it." So when you when they blasted, like it was actually pretty small to see where they blasted. Um, uh, and when they did blast, and then you could kind of see where it was. It's like all the way across from where the visitor center yeah, is. A little. <laughs> but it was kind of cool to actually get to see that because that's not something people get to see that often is when they're doing an active blast. But you got to hear the fire in the hole and everything uh, oh, yeah. you know, across all the radios. All of yeah, all of the sirens and the warnings and the yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, we were getting on the bus ready to go when that happened, and they got us all off the bus to go look at it. So the Bingham Canyon itself is now being filled with waste rock from the Bingham Canyon mine. So one day, most of the canyon will be filled. The actual canyon itself, which yeah. the actual canyon's near Copperton, I do believe. Yeah, like further down. Yeah, farther down from where we were, because even back then, they would take it from there, haul it, to, they used to haul it to Copperton, and that's where all of the sifting began, and then it went to Magna. Now it's such that, that they separate it in the mine. Yeah, they, they haul it up about halfway, throw it into the crusher, the crusher takes it, you know, several miles down yeah, the Yeah, conveyor belt conveyor takes belt. it, it's something like three miles to to the, to the extractor. And then from there, it's shifted and changed, but then it's put on another one and taken down either to the smelter or the, what's the, the separators. Cause there's the one where it's all, it's all liquid. It's all 
crushed to like a powder, like baby powder almost. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's soaked and turned into like a cake. That's the extractor. And then it's compacted. And then that's what goes down to the smelter that melts it down. And it's the way that they do it and, and the oxygen. The chemicals that they, that they use. Push and into it and it, and 99.9% pure copper comes out of it amongst other things. But, but yeah, now, I mean, it's, it's the whole entire west bench of the of salt lake the, the entire west bench it's is, I, and it, I mean it is really cool to look at so the seven billion tons of rock and material that have been removed transformed an eight thousand one hundred and forty foot high mountain into the world's largest open pit mine and you can see it from space yep and well in fact you can see it with the naked eye from space they don't even have to have equipment like yeah space Space shuttles and very few things in this world you can see with the naked eye from space, and, and that's, that's one, of one of them. The biggest damn hole. In the the world. north wall of the mine is unique because it's the tallest high wall, continuous high wall, of any mine in the world. There are thousands of miles of underground workings behind the wall. That's crazy. That's so insane. that wall that we see is the in the inverted mountain. Yeah, is the longest. That's really crazy. Yeah, it's not, I don't know, it's not very cool. Right. It says a driver rides about 18 feet or nearly two stories above the ground. Yeah. So and the shovel operator sits 32 feet so above let's ta- the ground. So let's talk about the trucks because yeah. the trucks are one of the things, and you see these in a lot of the open pit mines, but the, these are the biggest trucks in the world. They're meant to haul hundreds of thousands of pounds of rock regularly. It's 255 yeah. to 360 tons of rock per load. Per load. And there's, is that, is it 250 trucks they have? Uh, it's a lot. I don't know if it's 250, but they run around the clock. Yeah. Um, they basically go through a tank of fuel, a shift. Um, and they're running. They haul around 500 tons of material per day out of the mine, cost $3.5 million each, and boast 2,800 horsepower. So they can go, these trucks, that the, 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 the haulers that they have are rated unloaded to go top speed of 40 miles an hour. <laughs> but on average, they go about 13. Yeah. So they go really slow. Um, you can see them. The, the cabs are actually really nice inside. What's crazy is when you're looking down on them, they look like the old Tonka trucks, like when I was a kid from the 70s. Like they seriously look like a Tonka truck. So, and, But uh, there was a semi truck down by one of them. And then, so, so then when you saw the semi truck or just a normal standard pickup truck, then you kind of get, or even when you were scale. next to them, when they drove past, oh, yeah, yeah, they drove because past. I counted the steps and there's a picture in here. I counted the steps and there's like 14 steps to get from the bottom of the truck to the top. And that's, that's after you, that's like, four, that's 4.3 meters of staircase to give you an idea on height from the base of the wheel to the top of the dump. So the top of the loader that sits above the cab that doesn't actually have stuff in it, seven and a half meters. So that's what, 23 feet, 24 yes. feet tall? Two and a half stories. Two and a half stories tall. That's what I said. Um, so that's, that's taller where the than, driver sits. That's taller than your house. Yeah. yeah. They're like big moving houses. <laughs> houses. Yeah. The, the, the dump part of the truck, the whole truck, um, you know, distance wise is like, um, like 15-ish meters uh, long. Um, so, you know, 45 feet, give it or says, take. Each shovel and truck relies on global positioning satellites and computer and a computerized dispatch system. They have six tires. The tires are, um, how big were the tires? Like, uh, that says it here somewhere. Uh, that's That's not good radio. Really, Mister? <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna calculate this. And they're solid rubber. They're not air. Correct. There's no air in these tires because that would be insane. Um, and basically, oh, the rims on the on the alone are are two. Let's see. Rims on the 255 ton trucks are nearly five feet in diameter. Yeah, I think that they're. I think that they're probably about somewhere between 10 and 15 feet tall. Yeah. The tires from from ground to top. Um, we've got some pictures of Bree and us next to them. To give you an idea of scale. Um, and it's cool because those tires, like I've said before, like I've worked with these trucks. I've got to be in these trucks before, which is really cool. Um, they, they go through the tires. He said like every four to six months they go through, you know, all six tires on these. Or is it six? Yeah, six tires per truck. Um, and you can see like tons of tires. But 
they they retread them. And yeah. so basically they uh, I don't know if Kennecott does this. Some of the other mines I've worked at do this where they take the tires into the shop, the trucks into the shop. And with the tires on the trucks, they actually just cut new treads into the existing tire. Um, but after a while, it gets to a point where you can't do that anymore. Yeah. And so then they have to take the tires off. They stick them on a semi-truck and they have to lay them flat. And the semi-truck can carry two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they haul them off to a factory that, that basically slaps more rubber on them and, and recuts them. when they're hauling those two, they are an oversized, oversized load. Yes, they are. They take up a very wide lane, um, which is just wild to think about. Like, you need a semi-truck to haul the tires, two of the six tires that one of these loaders has. The first Kennecott shovels could lift four tons per scoop. In 2010, the largest electrical shovel had a 56 cubic yard dipper that scooped approximately 85 tons of material in a single per bite. scoop. That's so crazy. The equivalent weight of about 50 automobiles. The shovels cost more than 20 million each and weighed 3.2 million pounds. And they've got about 100 electric shovels. And then they have. Well, we've got a picture of us standing inside the shovel too. They have two hydraulic shovels. They have uh, eight rope shovels, um, and they're fucking huge. It's just you, you can't even. I mean, really, truly, you can't comprehend the amount of dirt they move every day. And they just go so slowly. They're so lumbering. The mine's largest electrical drills stand between 75 and 100 feet tall, and usually drill holes about 55 feet deep which are filled with 1,200 pounds of explosives. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting that you had pointed out, Jeremy, is the water trucks. Yeah. So, you know, when you see them off in a distance, you're like, oh, it's just a regular water truck watering the roads so the dust doesn't fly up. No, 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 no. They're just as big. They're as big as the damn dump trucks. Like, we had one pass by us, and they're fucking insane. They're so big. I can't even imagine how much water those things hold. It's got to be like... Five Olympic swimming pools. It's crazy. And it's just to keep the dust down. Yeah. And, and for that very reason, because there's so much uh, carcinogens we, in the dust. We actually had the pleasure on the bus ride. Um, there was a lady that was on there that works for the Utah okay. Air Quality Commission. Well, and so and, back to in our opening where we were talking about the smoke. Yeah. Oh, so we were, someone was asking about, is it always this hazy or more like, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's smoke from Canada. And the lady confirmed they, Well, it. somebody asked if it was pollution and we're like, no, it's just storm. That's not pollution. That's, that's smoke from Canada. Uh, and the lady confirmed it. She's like, it really sucks because we already have, and she was like, we have this high pressure system coming in. So it's been just trapping it here. Where normally it doesn't look like this this time of year. And, and then she was talking on the way down. I don't know if you guys heard her at all, but I was eavesdropping. But, um, she was talking about with the blasting and stuff. Oh, yeah. They have to get permits from air quality to blast. They know about every single blast they're going to do, how, how big it's supposed yep. to be, all that stuff. Cause Utah air quality is up in their business constantly. Yep. She personally did not work for that account, but she knew all about it because she works yeah. for the Department of Air Quality. Well, you, you, use that much explosive that's going to put a lot of dirt in the air yeah i, I had a lot of fun i thought it was, it's really interesting it's totally worth going up and checking out um you know we were we spent about an hour we were there about an hour yeah. it's it, we, we waited for the bus for i don't know maybe 10 minutes maybe yeah uh, and then they, they go every half hour and the bus driver says, you can stay here as we long as you want. We waited for the bus for about 10 minutes to come back down. We didn't really wait at all. I mean, I guess we sat on the bus for a couple minutes as yeah. it was filling up, but, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, it was definitely worth, you know, the six bucks. It, oh yeah. So it, once again, all that six bucks is doing is putting gas in the bus to take you up and back. I mean, it's really not, I mean, compared to the Leonardo, it was worth every penny. <laughs> And that's a good comparison because it's the same <laughs> fucking price. Leonardo is the same price. Spend the money at Kennecott. You'll appreciate it. Plus, you can it. go buy penny earrings. Yeah, they do have a lot of cool stuff. They also have a lot of garbage gifts that I talk about that every gift shop has. But they also have some specific stuff to Kennecott, like coins that they've minted. They have a bunch of like copper stuff. They have bottles of copper and gold that are probably just cheap souvenirs. They have the rocks. You know, that everyone has, or you can just grab a rock off the hill. That's right. Um, and then t-shirts and hats, j just your usual stuff. But but it is kind of cool. A, they have a bunch of copper jewelry. When I say about the pennies, I think that the penny earrings that I got are more copper than an actual penny, penny anymore. Oh, and I, I do want to mention that uh, maybe we have some new listeners. Um, <laughs> we were on the bus, and I listen to people's conversations because I'm that kind of person. But the people in front of us on the way oh, up yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, were talking about, like, oh, we could go do this. 
this. And they, they were like, we could go see the Peace Gardens and we could go to this thing. And I'm like, if you guys want to go see something cool <laughs> and you're going to go see the Peace Gardens, you got to go to Gilgal. And they're like, what? So I tell them a little bit about Gilgal and they were really excited to go. And I'm like, you could also go see the pyramid that's in downtown at the Summum Temple. Like, you can at least, you know, go buy it and just see it. Like, they're not going to let you in. Um, but this is cool people. And, and so they were, they had like a whole list of stuff and they were writing stuff down. And then we told them we did the podcast. And apparently the guy had just moved here a couple of weeks ago and she was visiting. Uh, and so it was great to be able to share a bunch of Utah centric things. And that's why they were at Kennecott as they were something to see. In well, Utah. I don't know why I was surprised, but when she said, who's local, we were the only ones, just our local. Were we group. really? Yeah. 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 Everybody else was, was out of state, which I mean, because it's our own backyard, you don't think about it. But I guess if you. If, it's really cool if you've never if done you've it. It's never totally done worth that. going up there. Like you go, going and standing inside of the bed of one of those haulers, which is they have on display, yep. or inside the bucket of one of the shovels, you really get a feeling for how I got that massive. picture of you standing in front of the bed. You get a you and get you and, like and they have the engine. Yeah, they have an engine that's in one of the trucks uh, sitting out there, or at least a replica of it. Uh, it's, you just really get a, a sense of the immenseness. Now, I would recommend taking some quarters with you because they do have like the, the yeah. quarter viewfinders. I wish I would have thought about bringing binoculars or take your own binoculars. Yeah. Cause that would be really cool to be able to see a little bit better, uh, across the mine. But, um, quarters or binoculars would be a, a recommendation. Um, they should have like a change machine up there, honestly. <laughs> well, um, I'm assuming if they reopen that little visitor center that they, they probably, probably will would. up there. Yeah. But. Yeah, totally fun, totally worth it. I mean, it, it definitely something if you've got a couple of hours. It's kid friendly. I mean, it's it's worth going and seeing, especially where where else and when else are you going to see a copper mine, an open pit mine like that? Nowhere in the United States you're going to have to go to Australia or yeah, somewhere else to see one. So it is really cool, and I mean. Despite its issues, it is uniquely Utah. It is very definitely Utah. Yeah, 100%. Um, we're going to make it a short episode. Um, uh, I'm going to say one thing really quick because I just noticed this on Twitter. <sighs> Stupid dog. Um, <laughs> breaking news. Report states that Republican Chris Stewart plans to resign from his position as Utah's representative in Congress as early as this week. Nice. What? Does it say why? Um, I'm sure if I clicked on this story, it would. Let's see. That should be. If that's yeah, that's uh, it's on KSL uh, now here. too. Um, let's see. Uh, expected to resign from. I'm reading this from KSL. Uh, Chris due Stewart, to his wife's health challenges, which were not specified. Oh, that sucks. That's. I mean, I, I'm no fan of Chris Stewart at all, but that's a really shitty reason to have to resign. I was really hoping. He currently it, sits on the House Appropriations Committee. I was really hoping it was going. Oh, that's. Uh, <laughs> That's that's kind of a, an important committee. Um, I was really kind of hoping it was for some sort of fucking scandal, um, so he could just be. But it's it's <laughs> for bad reasons. That sucks. Um, so we'll have to. Uh, His resignation would make him the second member of Utah's congressional delegation to resign midterm in the past six years. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to uh, we'll follow that and see if there's anything to update. Well, there'll be a special election that has to occur. Um, so, uh, Cox will have, uh, by state law, seven days from the original resignation date to, uh, issue an executive order calling for a special election. So I'm sure that, I'm sure that'll happen because the, uh, Republican, um, majority is really thin as it is in the House and chances are, uh, <laughs> we're going to get a speaker recall vote happening, uh, soon with the way this, uh, this, uh, that ceiling fight is going. Oh, yeah. It sounds like we're going to have a vote for. A, well, it a sounds like speaker. if he even calls for a vote, they're going to ask for, him for to a be vote removed. on the yeah for a vote on the bill. So uh, he doesn't. I mean, he's got such a thin majority, and I mean, he barely made it in as a stupid guy anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was the longest it'd been in like a hundred years uh, right. for him to be the speaker. Um, and it's it's a it's it's a really thin margin, so I I don't expect a lot. Uh, out of this debt ceiling fight. We'll see what happens. Probably what will end up happening is the Dems will find a few Republicans to pass something that's favorable to just push it out further. But we'll see. Uh, so anyway, that's gonna, that's gonna be it. 
uh, for this week's episode. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to read, this is a really long one. A weekly affirmation. It's kind of hard to read. It's like yeah. the, the yellow on this Want thing. Me to read it? No, I'm, I'm good. Just the color selection is not the best. Yeah. Shit you don't have time for. Huh. Other people shit, crazy shit, bullshit, stupid shit, fake shit, shit that has nothing to do with you. That's a pretty good I list of shit you don't have time for. Every one of those, for. that is, that is legit. Once you drop that kind of bullshitty shit, you'll have a whale of a lot more, or a whole lot more hours in the day to do awesome shit. <laughs> Find shit to do that vibes with your soul. Shit that has no negative consequences. Shit that makes you say, oh, hells yes. Maybe even do some shit that benefits the world in some way. You have time for the fuck yeah shit. That's a good one. I like that. See, we've taken time to do our, our Utah adventure. And it's been worth it. Heck yeah. You can find us on social media is at TNU podcast. Uh, don't forget to go see Julia at the, uh, the pride parade, yep. this, uh, the pride parade, the pride festival this coming weekend. Um, go see Jeremy at his, uh, at his business. That's right. At his home. <laughs> Salt City Home Designs. Go, go watch him do yard work. Go watch him mow. Go watch him mow. <laughs> if you need your, your yard mowed and you're in the Riverton area, uh, <laughs> give him a call. I don't really mow yards. Yeah, they do. Well, don't you mow like commercial stuff? I would have. They mow a lot uh, of yards. No, you guys don't mow at the iron place anymore, do no, you? The iron yard. Uh, no, no, my dad retired. Or the steel yard. And, yeah. So, yeah, mostly we have done both, but right now it's mostly homes. That's a lot of homes too. <laughs> you guys have a lot of yards now, don't you? Yeah. Well, no, the yards are the size of mine because it's in my neighborhood, yeah. so they're all so they're all big lots. Yeah. <laughs> But you guys have the good, like, long mowers and stuff. So yeah, we got the riding the, mower the riding mowers and everything else. So, so uh, yeah, and go out to our website, thenewutah.com. Um, we'll have uh, a blog up at some point with lots and lots of pictures from this adventure because we took lots and lots of pictures, and Bri will put them all up. It might be a few weeks. We'll see. I'll try and do it this week. It'll be tomorrow. <laughs> Bri's going to do it tomorrow. We both have a very short work week with the holiday and, and, and busy, uh, some time off. So. busy time that the time that we are here we're very very busy so uh, anyway have a good week i hope you had a good memorial day and uh we'll talk to you next week